We're lost. No, we're not. Yes, we are. No, we're not. It's just around the corner. Why don't we ask for directions? I can do this on my own. Admit it, dear. We're lost. No, no, no. It's just around the corner. I can feel it. We have the choice to run our own lives or give that control to God. Until we give him control of our lives, we're lost. What you're doing when you're entering into this season is you are acknowledging that you're weak. You're acknowledging, I don't have all the answers. Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. We like to think we're in control. But the moment you admit to God you don't have all the answers and you need Him is when you begin to realize God's purpose for your life. Today, Robert Quintana shows how fasting plays a role in that process as he continues with part two in his series, Slowing Down to Fast. You know, one of the things I do not like about modern day cars is how complicated they are to work on them. Can anyone testify how hard it is to work on modern day cars? Yes. You know, I remember when I was a kid, my father had a Cutlass Supreme. You know, the big old Cutlass. They were huge. Well, you would open the hood to that car and that engine bay was so big that I can literally get inside the engine bay. It was so easy to work on cars back then. Nowadays, you open the hood of a car and it is just jammed. I mean, you can hardly even spot the alternator or the oil filter. It's just so hard even to get to those things. You need to remove this plastic cover and remove this shield before you can even get to anything. It's just so complicated. But one of the things that car makers have done, and I think they've done this on purpose, is that they design these special little screws and and nuts and these special little parts that require a special tool or screwdriver in order to take it off. In other words, you need just the right tool in order to work on that part. Has anyone here experienced that? You know, and you can try your hardest to try and take it out, maneuver it out, maybe use a different tool that just quite doesn't work, but you're trying and then you end up stripping it or you end up breaking it and, and you're, you're, you have to take it to the dealership and they take it to the dealership and it's almost like they pull it out of their back pocket. Well, this is what you need. And then they reach in there and within seconds, they're able to disassemble it or take it apart. In other words, you need the right tool in order to be successful. Do you know that God has given us tools that we can utilize to make our relationship with him a successful one? And unfortunately, sometimes, most of the time, Christians don't use those tools that he's given us to strengthen that relationship with him. And so we go through our days, we go through our weeks, our months, and and we're always, you know, asking the question, well, God, where are you? God, are you interested? God, why don't I sense you? Why don't I hear you? Why don't I I feel you? Why is it so hard to to make decisions? What's your will on this particular circumstance or this decision that I need to make? And all the while, God has given us the tools necessary for us 
to answer those questions, the tools in order for us to be successful with our relationship with him. We started a sermon series last week on fasting. It's entitled Slowing Down to Fast. You see, because in order to fast, you really need to slow down. Fasting isn't an easy thing to do, but I'm telling you, fasting is one of those biblical disciplines that God has given us that it is a tool that we can use to strengthen our relationship with him. Fasting is a tool that we can use to know his will. It is a tool that we can use in order to overcome obstacles in life. It is a tool that we can use to be successful in our relationship with him. It's not mandatory. It's not a command. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to fast. But I'm telling you that if you want your relationship strengthened, Fasting is a tool that you can use in order to do that. But today I want to talk to you more specifically about why we fast. Why is it that we fast? What, what is it about fasting? What can we accomplish by fasting? When facing great challenges or obstacles, it is a good idea to fast. Why do we fast? Number one, when facing great challenges or obstacles, in life. I'd like for you to turn in your Bible to Ezra chapter 8. Verse 21, it says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God, to seek him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. Verse 22, For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road, because we had spoken to the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. So this is what's going on. Ezra goes to the king and says, Listen, we will now be taking a group of exiles back to Jerusalem. And he says to the king, our God is awesome. Our God is mighty. Our God is powerful. And so the king says, okay, go for it. Take the Jews, the the group of exiles back to Jerusalem. And so he leaves the king's presence. And then he starts thinking, oh my, whoa, wait a second. There's a lot of enemies between here and Jerusalem. What are we going to do? How are we going to go about that? And so he felt ashamed to go back to the king to ask for soldiers for protection. He had put God up on a pedestal and he wanted to keep God on that pedestal. But now he had a dilemma. What route do I take? How do I go about doing this in a safe way, in a way that gets everyone back to Jerusalem in a safe way? He had a huge challenge before him, a huge obstacle. What does he choose to do? He chooses to fast, to enter into a season of fasting. It says here in verse 23, So we fasted and entreated our God for this. And the Bible says he answered our prayer. 
And so we see Ezra here facing a big challenge, entering into a season of fasting in order to be successful, in order to overcome that challenge. I want you to jot down 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. Here we see Jehoshaphat, who is entering into a season of prayer and asking the people of Israel to enter into a season of prayer. Why? Because the Ammonites were coming up against him. And so they wanted to fight Jehoshaphat. And so he says, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Huge challenge. This is a big obstacle. Not sure how we're going to get over this. Let's enter into a season of prayer. Now here's the deal, folks. We can certainly find God's will with other biblical disciplines. We can study the word of God and we can pray and we can serve and we can worship. We can celebrate. We can spend time in solitude. We can do all of those things. But what I am saying is that prayer, I mean, that fasting helps you that extra step. Fasting kind of turns the notch up just a little bit, kind of turns up the heat just a little bit more. And it puts you in a position where you are able to receive the direction that God wants you to hear. Now, last week we talked about different ways that you can fast. So you might have an absolute fast where you fast from, from food and drink. You might have a normal fast, which is just fasting from food. Or you can do a partial fast, which we saw Daniel do many times, where you just kind of say, you know, no desserts, no delicacies, no sugary drinks, no soda. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast from those kinds of things. And if you remember from last time we were together, the reason why you fast is to seek God and his will. In other words, you're saying nothing else is important to me right now. There is nothing else that's more important to me right now than to know God and his will for my life. Therefore, you might choose in today's modern expanded version, definition of fasting, you might choose to fast from television or media or Facebook or social media. You might say, you know what? Nothing else is important right now except seeking God and his will for my life. Do you remember the promise? That if you seek me, God says, with all your heart, what's the promise? That you will find me. That's the promise given to us. If you seek God with all your heart, you will find me. And so what fasting does is it puts you in a state of mind. It puts you in a state of being where you are saying, nothing else is important to me right now. Not even food. I want to seek God. I want to know him. And I got to tell you, after you miss that first meal, or that second meal, or after you go that first night without watching television, or when you go that first day without turning on the computer, you start to realize how really weak we are. I mean, how insignificant we really are. Because you start to think, how is it that I cannot just make it through the day without this stuff? And it puts you in a position where you're forced to turn to God and say, God, I need help here. God, I cannot make it through the day without you. God, I need you. God, what is your will? And it puts you in a state of mind where you are seeking God 
100%. And that's why fasting allows you to do that. You know that I've never received a call to ministry without first spending a season of fasting for my life. My first call to Atlanta, Georgia, I took a season of fasting. I fasted for a few days before accepting the call to Atlanta. When I went to Colorado Springs as the youth pastor, I spent some time fasting. It's a big decision, you know, and we go through life making these big decisions and we never once ever think to say, you know what, nothing right now is more important than finding out what your will God is for my life. You know, some people just start dating whoever. Maybe they marry without even consulting with God. Sometimes we take jobs without consulting God or, or we get into a housing situation without ever taking the time to say, you know what, I need to slow down. And I need to slow down in order to fast so that God and me can have a period where it's just him and me so that he can lead and guide me. Before I took the call here to Frederick, I spent some time fasting Before I accepted the lead role here as senior pastor, I spent some time fasting. Why? These are big decisions, big decisions that alter our life, that will change our life from that moment on. Don't you think it would be wise to spend some time with you focusing on God and his will for your life before jumping in and making decisions like that? We're going to read here a story where we will see the the direct correlation between fasting and experiencing the power of God. Mark chapter 9, starting with verse 14, it says here, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, the scribes disputing with them. Immediately, when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out. But They could not. Fascinating story. So this man has his child, his son, who is demon-possessed, deals with with this, this evil spirit that enters him. And he takes him to the disciples so that they can perform an exorcism and, and remove this spirit out of the son, but they could not. Now let's pick up the story here in verse uh, 24. It says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, death and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Now, can you imagine possessing that kind of power? And don't think that, oh, well, this is Jesus. No. The Bible tells us very plainly, Jesus says to his followers, he tells us to us, he says to us, greater works you will be able to accomplish. 
You think about that. Man, Jesus did quite a bit, right? I mean, he, he healed the blind. He helped people that couldn't walk get up and walk. I mean, at one point, he resurrected someone. That's pretty powerful stuff. He, he multiplied the, the loaves and the fish. He was able to feed what scholars say was more than 10,000 people just out of a few loaves and fish. That's pretty powerful stuff. And yet Jesus said that you will be able to do greater things than these. This power that Jesus possessed, that he illustrated for us, isn't something that's unique to him. It is something that is available to every believing Christian. You know why? Because it is not our power, but it is the power of God working through us as we minister and heal and restore those that are around us. Now, call it lack of faith, call it lack of um, interest, just maybe say, you know, well, maybe we just don't spend enough time, you know, knowing and getting to know God. Maybe that's the reason why it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen not because we're not Jesus. No, Jesus says this power is available to you just as it was to me. And so here we see Jesus casting out this, this demon. And it says here in verse 26, then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead so that many said he is dead. The child went limp. He just fell to the ground. Verse 27, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had come into the house, now listen to this, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Why was it? Why were we hindered? Why were we held back? In verse 29, Jesus responds and said, he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now, I know that some of your translations are missing that last part and fasting, but most original Greek manuscripts have that little phrase and fasting. And so Jesus says to them, listen, that was no ordinary spirit that you were dealing with. Those kinds of spirit, the way that you deal with those kinds of spirit is by prayer and fasting. In other words, you need to turn up the heat a little bit. You need to take it up a few notches. You and God need to be like this. And so you need to put yourself in a position where nothing else matters except God and his will. Here's another reason why we should fast, to receive understanding. I'd like for you to turn to Daniel, Daniel chapter 9. Now you need to understand that here in chapter 8 of Daniel, God has just given Daniel a, a vision. You know, he's given him uh, this grand picture of what's going to happen Chapter 8, verse 27 says, And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Afterward, I arose and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. Okay, so here Daniel has this vision. It is such a big vision, such a grand vision, that he faints. Like, it's so overwhelming that he faints. 
And the Bible says that he was sick for days. And then after he managed to muster up enough energy, he was able to get up and go about the king's business. But he, he adds that no one understood this vision that I had. And this is how chapter 9 verse 1 starts. In the first year of Darius, the son of Asaraph, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah, the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Now here it is, verse 3. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication. Did he stop there? Was that good enough for him? No. Turning up the heat. Taking it to the next level. With fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Next week we'll talk about sackcloth and ashes. Just joking. But it says here that he set his face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. What's the promise? That if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And here in verse 3, we see Daniel putting everything aside and saying, I am going to seek God with all of my heart. The understanding of the vision that he had in chapter 8 was revealed to him. And this is important for us to know, folks, because when we search God and we turn our attention to him, we see time and time and time again how God will show himself and show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. The last reason I want to share with you why it's important for us to fast. I'd like for you to turn to Psalms chapter 35. This is perhaps the most beautiful reason why we should fast. Probably the most difficult because of the culture that we live in today. Psalms chapter 35, turn there with me. King David is talking. He's, he's writing this out. Psalms chapter 35, uh, verse 13, he says, But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. Now listen to this sentence right here. I humbled myself with fasting. In other words, fasting is a way in which we humble ourselves. It's one of the most beautiful reasons why we should fast, but it's probably the hardest. Why? Because we live in a me society. We live in an I society. We live in a society that says it's all about me. You know, it's all about what I can do, how I can get ahead. It's all about how I can climb the corporate ladder. It's all about how I can put myself first before the others. And unfortunately, we take that sometimes into our marriages. This me society, this me idea that it's me before my spouse. It's me before my wife, before my husband. It's me before my children. I'm not going to let them do that to me. And so it's hard for us 
to enter into a season of literally having to humble ourselves before God. Because what you're doing when you're entering into this season is you are acknowledging that you're weak. You're acknowledging, I don't have all the answers. You're acknowledging without you, God, I am nothing. And so you are literally humbling yourself before God for the purpose of seeking him and his will. And here God is telling us today, here is a tool for you to use. It is a tool that anyone and everyone can use because the the spectrum of fasting is so great. It doesn't have to be an absolute fast from food and drink. No, you can choose to fast from, from television, from social media. You can choose to fast even from your cell phone, which some of you have accused me of in the past. (laughs) I thought I'd get a few chuckles out of that. But the point is, are you serious about seeking God? Do you really want to know his will for your life? If the answer is yes and yes, then it's time to turn up the heat a little bit. It's time to just notch it up just a little bit more and say, you know what? I'm going to incorporate fasting into my life. That in doing so, your relationship with God will be strengthened because you're putting yourself in a position where you are now one with God. Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at fredericksdachurch.org. You see, because somehow we've bought into this idea that life or eternal life is something I have to work for. You know, as long as I do all the right things and we think that salvation is a hard thing to attain. Next week, Robert Quintana begins a new series on how you can live a victorious life. In his message, Victory is Mine. Also, If you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at fredericksdachurch.org. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m. and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.